All right, everyone, welcome to yet another episode of the Delta Flyers with Robbie and myself. And this week's special guest is none other than one of our favorite recurring actors on this show, the, the show that we did back in the day, Martha Hackett. That welcome. Show. Welcome. <laughs> that show. That the show we, we may not speak of. We, we, yes. yes. The we title we may not name. Yes. The characters we may not, we may not speak, speak of. of. Exactly. So as you know, we're keeping in, in uh, line with this SAG strike and we're going to go into to a deep dive of Martha's life before she became an actress. I mean, how did she become an actress? Like what, you know, we're going to get to that. So start off, I mean, you were born in the New England area. Is that correct? Is that? Yes, I was born in a town called Needham, which is a suburb of Boston. It's right next to Newton and Wellesley and all those places. Yes. It was a great place to grow up. Um, Smaller town, but it was great. Yeah. A famously dry town. Okay. Really? Yeah. And not until I went to college and left, was there a restaurant that even served alcohol and people would have to drive. So there were liquor stores on every, every sort of port of entry to the next town. Oh my goodness. (laughs) People make a killing. Some people would just drive over. It was funny. Did you grow up in, did you grow up in a household that was into sports at all in terms of yes. the Patriot, the Patriots, the Celtics. Is that a yes and there? All of those teams, the Red Sox and the so- Red Patriots, Sox, mm-hmm. uh, the Bruins. Oh yes. Yeah. Even hockey too. The so Celtics. Right. So yeah. it was a huge, yeah. you grew up in a huge sports household. Yeah. Yes? I, I, I have seven brothers. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. And two sisters. Where are so, you in that reign of nine children? Are you number no, three? 10 children? I'm the ninth. You're oh, you're no, <laughs> almost the baby. There's Almost. one, but one after you and right. all your brothers were into all those sports teams, basically. Most. Yes. Most all were. Did they play Ten. sports themselves? Yes. Okay. Football, <laughs> hockey. Nobody played baseball, okay. but everybody loved baseball. Yeah. 10 yeah. children. Yeah. I know. Can you Ten, imagine? I can't. No. I can't even imagine that. Right Nobody now. can imagine. Like, 10 children. Yeah. This is in the modern era. This is like, I don't consider your parents being from the age, you know, the ancient era. They're still the modern era. And they had 10. Yeah, but it was wow. sort of the Irish Catholic. There were plenty of people in our, I went to a Catholic school for grade mm-hmm. school. And there were so many people in that community who had large, big, large families. families. We weren't the largest. So that was there the were, norm. There, were, there was a family, the Dohertys, I think, had 14 kids. <laughs> oh, my. God. And the father was a doctor. <laughs> and and uh, and there were 11, 12, 6, 9, you know. So 10, we were sort of in the mid range. <laughs> you know, Kate Mulgrew had an Irish Catholic family and she did. came from an Irish Catholic family, big family, lots of kids. Yeah. And she sort of grew into her creative side in that crazy family, you know, yeah. the mix of so many people. Do you think that the large family had something to do with your creative kind of playing around, playing? Well, roles, yes, or- because. You know, there's got to be some way to get some attention. <laughs> um, and, no, and my my poor mother, she had her hands full. I mean, I yeah. and as I've always joked, you know, as soon as my first son, you know, started running around the house and saying no, I forgave my mother everything. Right? <laughs> of course, of <laughs> like course. my first boy, you know. Yeah. Like, what? How did you do this? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, when I was a little girl, I could I could sing. And oh. I, I used to sing to the radio songs on the in the car. And my sister one day was like, listen to her. She can sing, you know, but I was three, I think, when that oh, happened, wow. three or okay. four. And then it was, you know, everybody wanted me to lip sync Michael Jackson, you know, Jackson five and yeah. mm-hmm. um, and and then sing along. Anyway, I 
I was a little bit of a performer that way. Okay. My mother liked it. She liked hearing me sing. Um, and that's sort of what got it started, you know, being singing okay. and yeah. being comfortable doing that in front of other yeah. people. So when was your first school play? When did you do that? Well, it was actually kind of a big deal. So mm. when I was in the third grade at the Catholic school, and I don't know how they got the gumption to do this, but um, <laughs> the teacher in the class, in my class particularly, was not a nun. She was a lay teacher. That, that's what they were called. Oh, she, she had this idea. She wanted to do this really famous Real operetta, Hansel and Gretel. Oh, wow. wow. Actually by Engelbert Humperdinck, but the original Engelbert Humperdinck, the German composer. You know? Right, not, um, not the, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And it is an operetta. There's wow. very little dialogue. Anyway, so ambitious. What class, grade was this? Sorry, this is third, third grade. grade. Very ambitious, wow. very ambitious. Yeah. Third grade. Hmm. And yeah, when I look back on it, I can't believe it. Um, and everybody auditioned, everybody had the chance. And I, I really didn't think that, I would be cast as, you know, I just didn't think that I would get it. Yeah. And I did. You and got Gretel. You got yes, Gretel. And Ooh. Hansel was played by my friend, Michael, who lived around the corner from me. So we would rehearse together. We Perfect. Yeah. But um, the first time I came out on stage, you know, I was terrified, even though I didn't <laughs> know why I needed to be terrified. But the auditorium was full. We actually had a little stage in our in the in the gymnasium of our school, you know, where you also play basketball, but yeah, there was yeah. a stage at the stage end too. Yeah. and a balcony. Um, <laughs> and it was full. And I came out and my, I did my first little number. Yeah. And the audience applauded after oh, wow. I finished singing in this way that you never, ever forget. I, I'm yeah. not oh, I exaggerating because it was like it was literally the roar of the crowd, you know, yeah. spell of the grease. But it re it literally was. And it is something, you know, it was awakening something in me mm. because not a, it wasn't just I guess it was this overwhelming approval mm. you know, of what I just did, but also a an affirmation that it was good yeah, <laughs> that people yeah. really enjoyed it and yeah. that's that's the little catch i think right that and affirmation you being, you, you being the ninth child you being the ninth child kind of you know as well kind of factored into that i feel you're yeah. not getting as much attention and here you are getting all this adulation from your first right. number from your very exactly. first number so exactly. you would say that you got hooked in third grade and that was the yeah, point. Playing Gretel. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. Playing Gretel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. wow. Yeah. Huh. It felt, you know, you know, you're kind of too young to understand it. But when I think back on the feeling, because I never forgot it, it's mm -hmm. really profound. Yeah. You have that. It's profound. Well, I had that experience. It just, it reminds me, I'm just connecting with what you're describing, that, that feeling you get the first time you feel like, Oh wow. Mm -hmm. I've moved people enough that they're approving of this. Like they're mm -hmm. and I remember it was um a children's theater play. I'd done a couple of plays with the same children's theater, but it was a version of Tom Sawyer, a musical version of Tom Sawyer where I played Huck Finn. And in this version, Huck Finn was really the star. Like he had the meaty stuff. He had the he was, it was a great Well, role. he's very interesting. Huck Finn there, has, Huck is more adventures. <laughs> much more interesting than Tom yeah. Sawyer, even though it, the play was titled Tom Sawyer. What grade were you in, Robbie? What grade was this? Seventh grade. Okay, so seventh grade. Yep. I think so. And, uh, and I remember the curtain call. And I remember people had been applauding and stuff. 
But then when I came out as Huck mm-hmm. Finn before, right before Tom Sawyer was the last one to come out for the call, yeah. and Huck Finn comes out, me, and the audience, they'd been applauding, but they rose to their feet. They jumped up <laughs> and are, and the applause just elevated. You know what I mean? And then Tom came out, Tom Sawyer, you know, the actor playing Tom, and they were already on their feet. And so to me, in my mind, even though it was kind of the two of us were the leads. Yeah. And I'm sure that was a lot of the trigger was, oh, one of the two leads came out. We're going to elevate the applause. Yeah. But to me, it was like, I owned that moment. Yeah. Right. Being out there as they all, and it happened every performance. And it just, mm-hmm. that. And you were that hooked. Stuck, that was when you got stuck with me. Right. Oh, yeah. But you oh, didn't yeah. do, but Robbie, you didn't do theater before seven. Like se- there were no plays that happened before seventh grade that hooked. It was you, the second. Right? Yeah, there was. This was the second play I did. I had done the Wizard of Oz the year before in sixth grade, okay. sixth but, or seventh. Maybe this was eighth grade. I can't remember. But not the same hook that made you go, "Oh my god!" Until no, I didn't. I didn't get that kind of screen. The Correct. show, The Wizard of Oz, the first play I did got that kind of thing, but it didn't yeah. feel as directly personal. You. I guess mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. What yeah. what Martha's saying is like. Yeah. That moment where you hear the volume go up, you yeah. hear that specific shift in the audience's enthusiasm for what you've just done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very, yeah. And I, I get it. I and definitely... it's not just your mother. <laughs> no, strangers, <laughs> people that don't even true. know yeah, you and they love stranger. you. Yeah, strangers uh, and, love me. Yeah, and I, I think we all have that moment of being like. <laughs> You know, we're hooked. We're in it. But I just yeah. wanted to share. I just want to share with Martha my very first play experience. I was in first grade. I was in a British private school and I was cast in the play. The animals have a picnic and I played the pig and I was the only only kid that actually had a pig like a, a mask that I had to wear. Right. Everybody else, uh, the other animals, they just wore ears or, or a nose tail or but their face was free so we sat down to have the picnic we opened up the picnic basket and they someone reaches in and grabs bananas so we all peel the bananas and as we begin eating i forget that i have the mask on my face so i squashed the banana onto it squashed on the thing and the entire school the entire auditorium burst out laughing and i knew right. that okay i can make people laugh that's for sure but it wasn't it, that, 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 yeah the validation wasn't there yet but it, but i knew I, that that feeling of of turning the entire room into an emotion of whether they're clapping or laughing, that's right. it, I felt like, oh my god, that's powerful. You know, it's absolutely powerful. powerful. Yeah, and, and so, also you know that they're looking at you. Oh yes, I mean, they, yes. you caught their attention. Yes, I was so embarrassed because I realized oh, I forgot I had a mask on. But then then again, maybe I was so into, into my character I forgot that I was wearing the mask. Yes, on. <laughs> there so, you go. In first grade, yeah. you were just you were the pig. I you was were, the pig. I, you, I was the essence yes, of pig. I of was. Pig. Yes. Yes. I was bacon. Okay. So, all right. So after the third grade, then what, what happened in terms of middle school, high school? Did you do a bunch of theater then? I did. I I mean, I did plays. uh, I did plays every year in junior high and they were Um, all musicals. They they weren't any straight. Which ones? Can you tell us which ones you did? Bye Bye Birdie. And I had, I had a solo in Bye Bye Birdie, but I was in seventh grade. So they would always cast the ninth graders in Mm. leads. And by the, so the time I was in, by the time I was in ninth grade, I got the lead in Guys and Dolls. Perfect. Nice. Sarah. And sort of continued through high school, but that I was always singing, you know, solos in the choir, that kind of thing, or yeah. just singing here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but high school was a little different because I also like to play sports. And so it was a question of, can I do the spring show or am I going to be playing lacrosse? You know, what mm-hmm. you're going to do, you couldn't do it all. What were your sports, by the way? 
besides uh, I play basketball. Um, well, I, I stopped playing basketball in high school. My sister was the basketball star, so I just didn't bother. I played wow. lacrosse. Lacrosse, which is yeah. also lacrosse a great, is a great, great sport. Yeah. yeah, it's a great sport. Mm -hmm. um, but then my senior year, I decided to do the play instead of doing lacrosse because I couldn't do both. Mm. Wow. And uh, that's got, was that that's it was not a guys straight play too. Oh, the, the play was so weird. I, it was called "A Bad Year for Tomatoes." <laughs> I've never heard of this play. No, neither had I. Never again. <laughs> a bad year for tomatoes. Anyway, I love it. Uh, I know. And then in college, I did a lot of theater, but I also had a rock and roll band. What? Wow. Wait. But wait. Before you get into that, what made? What was your? Were you theater major at? No, there was no theater uh, okay. as a major at the college I went to, um, but there was a ton of uh, student-inspired, student-produced theater. Okay. A ton. And this college would be at Harvard that we're talking Correct. about? Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you but got it was in My freshman year was okay. the year that American Repertory Theater Bob Brustein came from Yale and brought some of his company members. Oh. And staff, but they did not have any kind of major. They, in a few years, they started this graduate certificate program. Yep. They just brought the theater company and started what's known as ART now. Tony Shalhoub was in that original company. Oh, Tony Shalhoub, yeah. yeah. Um, so Harvard, are you a legacy? Like, did your one of your parents go to Harvard? No, or, or no, you, no, okay. no, 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 no. None of your older siblings went to Harvard? You were the yeah. one that... So yeah. you were such this ultimate A-list person that you nailed it, that Harvard accepted you. I mean, I wouldn't call myself that. I had an interesting background. I was local. I mean, I think I, 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 I think I checked some boxes. Okay. I actually had a full scholarship because what? of financial aid. I had a oh. financial aid scholarship. So okay. I think I ticked some boxes off. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also had some, I had some great, great mentor teachers in high school who wrote me, wrote great recommendations for me. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I tested well, I had great grades. I had, I did a lot of stuff and I had a job and I, you know what I mean? I was one of these yeah. kids juggling a lot of balls. <laughs> I don't know how I did it because I don't think I could ever do that again. Um, yeah. So, so I wasn't just the, yes, I wasn't just. Perfect. I was well-rounded, I would say. That's the, okay. The um, overall package, the Harvard admissions group were looking at this th thinking, look at this. She's so well-rounded. She, she checks off all these boxes. Let's take her. Let's give her the scholarship. So your major, since it wasn't theater, what was it? English. Oh, such a good mm -hmm. major to have. Literature? It was, or yes. It's, the, the major at that time was called English and American Literature and Languages. I love wow. It. I love <laughs> but I, so... So Bob Brustein's there and he's seeing some student shows as mm -hmm. the years go by. And he had me audition for a show. I didn't get cast. But then my senior year, I did get cast in something um, as a, you know, we had little peon parts. The students did. Mm. But it made me equity. Cherry Jones was in that show. You know, it was very I, I was going to say, that's a very classy theater company, Garrett. That is okay. It yeah. is a premier theater company, especially yeah. at that time in right. the regional, when regional theater was maybe at its height of of enthusiasm i think yeah an ascension you know an ascension okay. yes right. it was it was it's a premier theater and still mm. does it still some is, very yeah. important work um yeah. but yeah that was at a so, at a, so that um, gave me the confidence you know that was sort of uh I, I also i just i just thought uh, you know you graduate from harvard 
and you have a lot of expectations yeah, on you. I can imagine. I can and imagine. I was, I just didn't know. I mean, I, I, I decided to list what I didn't think I could live without <laughs> because I really wasn't sure where I should go. I thought that I would write, but that just never clicked for me. Okay. And, and performance was the thing that always clicked. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And so that's when I decided to seek out a graduate program for, oh. for acting. So I, cause I decided I still, I still oh. was you know, attached to this sort of academic model for yeah. making my way through the world. I had no concept of getting an agent or going to New York and working, I mean, right. I was, which would have probably been fine, but I didn't do that. Where did you get your MFA from then? USC. Oh my goodness. So you left the East coast and you came all the way out to California to go. Who to was USC. running the program at USC at the time? Um, W. Duncan Ross, Bill Ross, oh. English oh, actor, yeah. uh -huh. really wonderful person, really mm. the right person for me. And in fact, I auditioned at Yale twice. I took a year off between and they all, you know, because they knew I was coming from, you know, Bob's little stamp yeah. of approval, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but the second time I auditioned for them, they said, where else did you apply? Because the first time I hadn't applied anyplace else, I was so disorganized. Yeah. And I told them and they said, Work with Bill Ross if you get the chance. Wow, He's, really? Yeah. So they encouraged you to go with Bill. Yeah, Earl Geister said that to me. So, wow. uh, so and it was it was really the right choice for me. Right, but you didn't have any family in California or anything. Is that right? Everyone was back in Boston area. So that's a huge move for you to make. Away I from packed my Schwinn three-speed bike in a bike box. I didn't realize like what traveling with, with a bicycle across the, an old bicycle. <laughs> what did I do? That's what you brought? <laughs> one old, yeah, old ass Schwinn bike? It was kind of stuck. I think it was stuck in second gear. You know, <laughs> They sell bikes in California. Yeah, yeah. They do yeah, sell new... Yeah, and yeah. Was such, and I took a, I, and I took a, a red, a jet, a red eye, and so uh, I arrived, yeah. and you arrive earlier when you fly yeah. from Boston. I arrived at like four or five in the morning, and then and, and rolled your bus, bike. I took a bus from LAX, and they dropped me off at someplace on Figueroa. I mean, it was. Oh just my a, gosh! I was. I Look was at sweating. this. Yes, <laughs> I remember. That reminds me of when I moved to New York City from oh. Atlanta, Georgia. Mm. I took a train to new york oh and, and i literally had a trunk it was like right out of 42nd street you know oh my god hey broadway yeah. i get out of penn station with my trunk your trunk and i go to the curb and there's the <laughs> the cab area right and this guy waves to me he goes hey you need a cab you need a cab and i said uh yeah and he waves a cab over yeah now i'm being hustled i'll, I'll you know bear, yeah. I, I'm, I will not bury the lead i'm being right. conned here but i didn't know it i got my right. trunk um. and and uh, the cab comes over and the, and the cab driver, you know, gets out, puts the thing in. And then the guy's standing there with his hand out. He goes, uh, you know, you need a tip. You need to tip me. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. So I pull out my wallet. Oh, All my I God. had was a couple of 20s. I think I had, I moved to New York with like a hundred bucks in my pocket. Oh my God. And so I pulled out a 20 and I said, oh, I'm sorry. I don't have any change. He goes, oh, I'll get you change. I'll be right back. He and he grabs the 20 back. and he runs. He never came back. And I'm like. He just ran around the corner. He's not yeah. coming back. He didn't work there. There was no, no he was, the, the whole thing was a hustle. So that was my yeah. first. And it was yeah. a similar thing. It was like five in the morning. I've been on a train all night long. Right. Like, yeah. I got to the, I, I had graduate student housing, which was also kind of low down because usually grad students don't live in housing, but I had no yeah. choice. And I'm 
ringing the doorbell, knocking, but it's, you know, five in the morning, five 30 in the morning. And the tutor came out and he said, you know, doors aren't open till nine. And he closed oh. it. Oh, and I, I sat outside for Until hours. Nine. Oh, my. Oh, no. It was very loaded. <laughs> Had you even been what? to California? No, she, no, no. That I was your first time ever. Yeah. It was crazy. What year? Wow. Can you give us a what year was this when you actually came out? Would you say? Uh, um, I I right after the Olympics, eighty four. Eighty four. I okay. So I was a freshman at UCLA. If I'd known you, Martha, I would have I would have taken you, you away. From, me yeah, I would have said you're not going to wait here. Let's go to the mall. You know, so we would have done something. Um, <laughs> but you wow. know what? These are the things that you know. Yeah. You it's, never forget, and no, no, exactly, you know, and, exactly. Oh my gosh. That's a huge move. Yeah. All right. So then USC, an amazing experience for you. Yes. You would say. Uh, yes. Any regrets or any, what's the highlights of that, of that experience? Well, I, I, I don't have any regrets about the training I got mm. there and I don't have any, I don't have any regrets about pursuing theater because mm. that that's definitely, I still feel most comfortable doing theater, but right. I, 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 so I don't have any regrets about that. And I had some amazing, amazing teachers. Mm -hmm. Anna Devere Smith was one of my teachers. Mm, that's right. Yeah. I forgot she was teaching there at the time. Did she mm -hmm. do her Working one on woman show. show? I was going to say. Well, you know, she would it? be teaching class and it was only later I realized she was working on characters. Yeah. She was talking to <laughs> was. Us she, you know, she was doing all these men, you know, and she, she was she, doing Twilight Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. And uh, no, she was she's super super smart and intellectual. Yeah. But I love how she was workshopping her own show yeah, while she, she was teaching you guys. She was working on it. Was really <laughs> it was really great though. I Did you so you're at USC in the theater pro in the in the graduate theater program? USC though has always been known as a film school. The film school. Like the film the school film is school. is you know world. The renowned. film school had so much money even back then. Yeah. Mm. It already had the buildings that have been gifted by whomever, you know, yeah. it, the, the film school was like another world. The theater department's um, office was an old weight room for the football team. <laughs> Stop. Former weight room. No. I'm not joking. And it was on the edge of a practice field. Oh, no. And then there were the, the theaters were all over the place. Mm -hmm. And there was a beautiful, the Bing Theater was near the School of Music, which is also very prestigious. The yes, School it's very In good. that little mm -hmm. beautiful um, courtyard. Right. And, you know, kids would be like playing their cello outside. Right. Um, the, so the theaters were scattered around, but the <laughs> theater department's office was. Oh, yeah. no red carpet the for the theater room. department wow. office. Mm -mm. Oh. No. Were you interested no. in, uh, as an actor, in working on any of the films uh, departments? Yes, and projects? I did. I did, did do it? a few student films, you know, here and there. Yeah. You know, sometimes, Martha, you'll see uh, an actor that's been doing theater for their entire life, basically, and their, their first film project or any television project they do, oftentimes they're way too big on camera. They don't yes. know that it has to be shrunk down. Did you have yes. that sort of well, uh, awakening on any of these uh, theater, or any of these uh, graduate student films or whatever that you did? Over no, well, my first job, I did that because... Oh. <laughs> so the casting director, a casting assistant, had seen me in the last show that I did at SC. Mm. And so within, I, I hadn't even graduated yet, I think. No, right after I graduated, I had an audition. And it was for two episodes. But it was a sm small role, but for two episodes. Anyway, mm -hmm. I, um, I got it. <laughs> There's so many stories about that, too. But when I saw the final product, 
you know, when I saw myself. And I think on set too, is my voice was very loud and <laughs> I was very clear. And and I just, I thought, oh, wow, wow. <laughs> you know, you kind of go, whoa. So, so the director and, didn't pull you, he didn't reel you back in then. He no, let you I, do your thing. I wasn't and, important enough. Oh, <laughs> they just let it go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it was, it was fine. But at that point, I did not have representation. Mm, okay and and i thought well this was easy it's gonna be yeah, easy i'll and get it, everything it was, it was not easy mm, no <laughs> you know what's no. funny about the uh the being loud and speaking very <laughs> theatrically and so i went to juilliard mm. and uh after my first year at juilliard first year at juilliard is a lot of breaking you down right yes it's speech classes voice classes it's working on diction and and all kinds of, you know, it was just breaking you down the way you speak, the way you walk, all that. So I get this episode of this kind of sci-fi anthology show. I get the episode, I go out, and my character in this is supposed to be in the present day, 1984 or something. And he's got a fever, and he somehow connects with a girl from Salem, Massachusetts, who gets accused of being a witch. So she's supposed to be the period actress you know, with the the more proper accent and the, you know, and I'm supposed to be the modern kind of kid who's trying to help her out. And that was the premise. They had Justine Bateman playing the Salem. Oh, girl, cool. Who was like a Valley girl. Like yeah. she played, if you think back on the show right. she did in the eighties, <laughs> that she was a big, big star of at that moment. She was sort of a Valley girl. Yeah. And I come out of my first year of Juilliard <laughs> Thinking I must use consonants very crisply and speak so, you know, I did exactly what you're describing. And the director came over to me and he's like, you got to just like loosen up. Like you sound like you should be in Salem, Massachusetts in 1650. It was flipped. And she sounds like she should be in the San Fernando Valley. And we got to get you guys. Oh, so I I had to like, and I kept trying, but it it was so funny. He literally is like, stop it. Stop with the Juilliard. Stop (laughs) with the fancy speech. You sound British. Stop it. Right. Yeah. So British. uh, Did you you stay at Juilliard for three years or two years? I left after two years. I got a, I got a job after two years on a daytime Soap opera, soap opera that was a yeah. multi-year contract. And so I, I left to do that. And I left, I very, uh, I didn't want to leave school. I was loving mm-hmm. uh, my class. I had a very bizarre, weird mashup of people uh, that included Andre Brower and and John Tenney and Kathy oh, McNenney yeah. and some uh, Doug Hutchison's weirdos, but super talented actors that I was thrilled to be in a class with and, but I needed the money. So yeah, yeah. I needed Cause I was putting myself through school and supporting myself at the time. And so, yeah. Right. And so the was, work begets work. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But that, that, yes, that classical theater trained <laughs> accent, trying to, <laughs> trying to learn to shed it was tricky for me for a while. That's yes. so funny. Martha, let's ask about your process. When you get a new role, whether it's theater or film or television, um, how do you break down the character in terms of your, you know, your step-by-step process of what you do, how you actually memorize lines, things like that. Just walk us through it. 
Well, you know, it's sort of changed. It has changed over the years. And it, mm -hmm. it does change also depending on what the project is. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think sometimes I've done just as my theater background suggests, too much work on things. I think mm -hmm. I mess up sometimes auditions that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. But I don't know if you, you can, but sometimes I just feel like I'm probably guilty of doing too much. Okay. Mm -hmm. And somehow that translates. But the, I mean, the way I work on a play, I would say, is uh, what is the world of this play? And that has to do, what is the style of this play? Mm -hmm. Um, who are these people? How are they, you know, connected to one another? And then, you know, specifically my character, I can just have a field day in creating a life. And I don't have to share that with anybody. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. those are the fabulous secrets of um, what we do, I think. So I mean, you, if you, you want, you can. You create, a, you create a full backstory for your character that has nothing to do with what's in the in the play at all. Like, it, there's no... No, um, no, the play will provide me clues a clues what can, how can i figure out how i got here okay you know mm -hmm. sometimes but it it gets to be my imagination yes. unless the director has a very very a clear idea of what they want it to be right and sometimes directors do you sit around for a few weeks and you're discussing all kinds of things like what is this family's dynamic or mm -hmm. whatever and sometimes they don't at all yeah so um and i i think there's there are there's more than one road to Oz in okay. this craft, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But I, I do all that. And um the backstory thing that you bring up, the creating a backstory reminds me of an exercise in acting class that I loved called a life story exercise. And the way that the teacher did it with us, with me, um, the teacher would have you sit in front of the class and tell a real story about myself. Just a real story that had some emotional value that I could connect to and tell it as honestly and as detailed as I could and connect with the emotional value of that real life story about myself. And then once I'd sort of experienced what that felt like as me telling a real story about myself, then the teacher would say, okay, let's talk about your character. Tell me a life story about that character. Tell me an emotional event that happened to that character. And it was tricky because I would find myself sometimes in that exercise. Oh, now I've got to perform. Right. Like you could feel, I could feel the difference between when I'm talking about myself, Robbie, mm -hmm. telling a real story about something that embarrassed me or scared me or meant something to me. Mm -hmm. There's that kind of energy and connection. But then when, the, when I'd have to do it about the character, all of a sudden it was like, well, I was once young and, you know, all of a sudden I'm performing and my mother frightened me it just became so you know so that, that's that. a great exercise but and, it, was, it reminds me of what you were talking about like, yeah you know. and i think i think over time i have changed that kind of homework i do to become yeah. to find like what you're saying what is it that i share with the character mm -hmm. like what what part of me or what what part of my life or how can i because that's where i, I mean sometimes we're interesting enough yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we don't yeah. have to, uh, we don't have to uh, create, I mean, not create, we don't have to make something up. Yeah, It's no, real. It, it's all within us, right? It's all I mean, within we, us. So. We have it in our human experience. Definitely. Right. And yeah. and it's allowing it or, or recognizing it and how it might correspond with mm -hmm. the character. But I always find that that stuff kind of fun. That's yeah. the fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, also, though, I really depend. I love rehearsal. 
I love cursing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of difficult and for me in TV and film, you don't, you're rehearsing camera moves as you should. Yeah. Sometimes you don't get to, you know, work on things that, you know, sometimes a good director will not know what the important moment in this scene is or what has to happen in this scene. Yeah. But I always wanted to do more. So, you know, we'd have it like right there mm-hmm. when, when the cameras were rolling. Yeah. Um, but um, I love rehearsal. I almost love it. But, you know, I just love it because it's, especially with theater, it's what's going on between you. It's between the actors mm-hmm. that this, you know, and the, the story comes out, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's, we're not in a vacuum unless it's a one person show. <laughs> right. So, so do, you, do you find your preparation for film and TV? How does it change from your prep for stage work then? Well, I like to be very, very solidly memorized. I know some people don't have that habit. I need to have that so yeah. that I can forget it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do, and, and your process of memorization for TV and film is with another person helping you or all your own work? It, it used to not be. I mean, sometimes I do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm feeling there's um the scene's tricky or I want someone else's input, I might do that. But I I just put my head down and I learn the lines and I learn scene at a time or beat at a time, you know, Mm. section at a time. Um, Do you learn, uh, this is going to sound silly when I ask it, but do you just learn your lines or do you learn the whole scene? Because like uh, Ethan Phillips, we just talked to him and he said he learns the whole yeah, play. he every learns everybody's line, so he could literally recite the whole scene. I think Kate does that too. She knows everyone. She used to know. Oh my god! Lines. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, I I don't know their lines uh, verbatim. You know, I don't know, but I know what they're saying to me. Yeah, because yeah. I have to know yeah. because I've got to listen, and I have to know why I'm saying what I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to know that I have to know the journey. You know, the trajectory, the journey. But I can't say that I could you know recite the whole scene yeah i never i could never do that i never did that i was surprised to hear ethan say that not surprised but just um it actually makes sense to me i never tried to do that but i I wish i had (laughs) back then i used to be so so gifted at learning lines quickly i mean Mm. of course that's gone i i learn them but i don't learn them as quickly yeah but I used to know where the line was on the page. So wow. I had like a, vi- a visual, um, I once I walked, I, I took over in a play once in the, literally three days, I took over a mm. role. And that I really knew where the lines were on the page. I knew yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a weird thing. That's such a strange thing, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to have that in my mind's eye, I knew where it was. It's just, it's mm. just odd. I don't necessarily think that helped in the performing or the storytelling, but (laughs) it was a learning thing, you know. It's funny, a visual like that, like knowing where it is on the page. For me, I found that if I could block out a scene for myself at home, Mm. I would, I would have, I would often get up and move around, just start to imagine where I might move, how I might move, why I might move. Oh, even if I didn't know the set. Just yeah. because it it sort of helped me to say, okay, I'm going to be really close to the other character for this moment, but then yeah. I'm going to need some space. I'm going to need some space. I'm going right. to have to work something out. And so yeah. 
it helped putting some physical shape to it for right. me. Yeah. Um, often that would help. And then you know what's happening. And then, yeah, even yeah. if we change the the detail of the blocking, even if I'm not exactly right in my guesses as to what happens or someone yeah. does something different, at least I had in my, I connected it to some movement that I could adjust right. on the day a little bit. But Right. That helped. And also that's when you do that's that, also the director in you. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, but I, I love <laughs> let's, that. Let's put it on his feet. Yeah. Come on. No, but I love that exercise. I love that you do that because when you attach that physicality to it, it eliminates... One thing that a lot of novice actors do, which is that talking head thing. All they do is they're just saying their lines and their body is totally stiff because they're so nervous, you know, so there's no physicality to it. And one thing that you mentioned, Martha, earlier is that um, you talked about you have to listen to what that other character is saying that, that you're in that scene with. And that's something that a lot of novice actors don't do. They don't listen intently to what is being said to them, which is so important right. to make it look realistic, really. I mean, how else would it look? What, what, how can you make it look real without really listening to what that actor is saying? Whereas some novice actors, they're just listening for that cue, that last word that right. springs them into their Instead acting. of being affected by Yeah, it. so they're completely dead until their line comes up. Then they're alive and they say their line, then they go back to dead again. It's just like, hey, so there's no- uh -huh. Yeah. Right. The, Inner life. Yeah. It doesn't make sense in a way. No. no. <laughs> um, but then there's editing. <laughs> yes, that's um, true. But Robbie, what you said about rehearsing and moving around, it I, I love that idea. Yeah. I think I'll try that next time because yeah. in a play, and I'm very physical on stage. I mean, I just I have to know how this character moves. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's it's like vital to me. And in a, a role I just played, it was a woman who wanted to be younger than she was. She was trying to, you know, hold on to that moment that had passed. Mm. And so I made her very energetic, you know, and mm. it was fun to do that. But it helped me so much, that choice, yeah. you yeah. know, that just was, I am just bursting with vitality, you know, <laughs> and it was, it was fun, but it, it just helped me so much, that choice. I mean, she yeah. was energetic than I am so yeah. um but that's a good that's a good rehearsal or uh, I like that sort of line learning choice yeah. yeah it helped me because it for me on the page I definitely understand the idea of where is it on the page but then I feel like I'm just stuck in my head being physical with it allowed me to sort of connect to like a um an impulse an emotional impulse you know Right, because um, it's in your body. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's a question for both of you. Did either of you train with an improv group like Groundlings or Second City? Did either of you do that? And I'll start with Martha, and I'm going to ask Robbie afterwards. Well, one of my teachers at um, SC was Stephen Book, who was a viola spolen guy. Yeah. With improv technique. He yeah. Had been sort of, anyway, um, and he taught a, city, a class in the city. Uh, also, so when I left SC, I continued to study with Stephen, Stephen because you can get on your feet all the time. You're on your yeah, feet great. and you're playing and you're loose. And yeah. um, but it wasn't an improv group. Group, okay. But you right. did have it training performed. and exposure to it. Yeah, yeah. We did. Okay. We did the Spolin games. Right. Yeah. And he kind of converted that to script work, though. Oh, sweet. I liked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Robbie. Yes or no. With a... I, I not really I but it's, I love that you bring up Viola Spolin's uh, theater games theater because games I had done some of that in my teenage years when I got involved in this community theater there was mm. an acting teacher there and she used Viola Spolin I ended up teaching when I was still a teenager little kids 
and I use the viola spool. Yeah, um, it's, it's so it's awesome. It's just yeah. great. In fact, just a few years ago, when I was in Atlanta, Georgia, I started a, a briefly. I started an acting studio, opened an acting studio, and had some classes. And I was using viola spool and theater games as some of our warm up stuff, just right. to get people like loose and having fun. And they can, they're they're often such simple games. Um, but I never, I never did like a comedy improv or that right. kind of thing. That's very right. popular now. UBC kind of stuff. I didn't, yeah. I don't, right. never did that. But you had exposure to Spolin. And for those yeah. of our listeners who have no idea, I, I'm pretty sure it's V-I-O-L-A for viola mm -hmm. and Spolin is S-P-O-L-I-N. Mm -hmm. Two right. L's, isn't yeah. it? Is oh, it is there two? I think it's just one. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. She was a, she was a Northwestern teacher. I think she, she oh. taught at Northwestern University okay. and that Chicago theater you know, mafia back then was mm -hmm. so strong. Right. Like and that, Second that City, whole, Second City was yeah, Del Close and yeah. all those people. Yeah, it was great, hmm. great, great time. Mm -hmm. I have um one of the things. So just to acknowledge the strike again and why we're avoiding titles or shows. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to share with you, Martha, is that um we did a a, a special episode about the strike, and we had um, Armin Shimmerman, and we sh had. Kitty Swank, and we have Michelle Hurd, who have all been on negotiating committees past or with Michelle Hurd currently. Mm -hmm. And she talked about, Michelle said something that just keeps sticking with me. She said, you know, we want to let the people know that, you know, let these studios know, especially, mm -hmm. that the audience that pays money to see these shows, their relationship is with the actors. Their relationship is with the characters and the performances and the ways that they are moved or frightened or the ways that they laugh because of the actors, mm -hmm. not because of what streaming service they use or, you know, That's not right. because of the, the franchise, even it's the performance, the, the, yeah. the delivery system of all of these stories and franchises and all of it yeah. is the actors and that relationship with fans. Like we have from the so sci-fi show, we're yeah. so lucky this relationship that the fans and the audience has with the actors is so deeply personal mm -hmm. and intimate in so many ways, I guess. So I just want to put that on the table and say like, what is your experience as an actor with audiences? You mentioned getting applause in third grade and that experience, that relationship, but what it, what have been some meaningful experiences that you've had with sort of connecting, feeling like this creative work is making a difference with the people that are, that are experiencing it? Have you had any, you know, what, what's your experience? I have, I mean, most of the time besides our fan base for what we've done together, yeah. the three of us, which we have that face-to-face -face as often yeah. as we do. Mm -hmm. um, for other uh, TV and film I've done, you know, I've had less of that. It's yeah. less immediate. Yeah. Um, but for plays that I've done, even a few I've done in the last few years, um, I, you know, when an audience, I've had, I have had people write me letters uh, about the character that I played or, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, so, you know, you're doing the right thing, yeah. you know, and I just, um, you know, that's what we've decided to do. We are the storytellers. Yeah. Uh, you know, it might not be our word, but we embody the storytelling. Yeah. And um, 
so I've had I've had my share of grateful fans for things that I've done. Yeah. And and it's it it it's it's really um it's it's reassuring, right? Mm-hmm. You, you think, oh yeah, I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not just some yeah. weird narcissistic journey I'm on. Um because I don't think it is. That's not what I'm interested in. Yeah. Have you had any interaction or letter or email that you've read that has brought you to tears from a fan? Or moved um, you. Or moved you. Deeply moved yeah. you. Uh yes, because I um I played a, a I play I did the show at the Gary Marshall Theater uh-huh. a few years ago. And it was about the sculptor Louise Nevelson. It's an Albie play. It's an Edward Albee play. Oh, it's wow. one of his last plays. Okay. And it's called Occupant. And it's a tricky play. It's very tricky, unlike any of his other plays. And it's mostly a one-woman show. There is another character who's interviewing her, but she's supposed to be dead and she's come back from the dead. Anyway, it's a very strange setup. <laughs> but Louise Nevelson is a known entity, or she was, and you know, so I'm playing a real person, a life. Right. And and she was a complicated person. Mm. And um but an artist. Mm. She was an incredible, incredible artist. And I had more than one person write me letters and they knew they had known her. Wow. Both of them had met her. One of them worked with her and um, they said, you captured her. And I just was, oh, you know, I mean, mm. I did. I was able to watch a little bit of TV, PBS TV video of her. Yeah. And I, I know I think one of the reasons I got the job or like I, I she had a very slight Maine accent because her family had emigrated from Russia and ended up in Maine. OK. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had left, you know. Yeah. Pogroms. And anyway, Um and so, but I just felt, you know, that's that's like the highest compliment you can get oh, if yeah. you're playing people, a real person. And people that person know her. And a person who yeah. was, you know, com- like I said, complicated mm-hmm. and um, had made some really intense decisions in her life in order to be an artist. Yeah. Mm, and sure. she was not necessarily the world's greatest mother. <laughs> right. Mm. But um, so that in particular was um was wonderful yeah 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 that's gotta be i saved really, those letters <laughs> yeah i bet you did it's gotta be very satisfying to because you you sort of brought this person back to life i assume they're passed away this person correct yes yes yeah, yeah. so you brought them back to life for right. people that knew her Right. What a magical experience that it's is. Huge. In the- right. And you never think you're actually going to be able to do that. I mean, that's a <laughs> huge, I mean, luckily for me, uh, well, she was very well known in her time. And then after her death, there was this terrible legal uh, case about her artwork. And for decades, her work could not be bought, sold or shown. Wow. Because mm-hmm. of a dispute over the estate. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's actually a sculpture park in New York City na- that she built that's named after her. She she got the highest, you know, the Presidential Medal of Freedom wow. back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. you know, we don't. Goodness. Yeah, and she. Wow. So it's really fascinating how if your art isn't there and people aren't continually reimagining it, how you yeah. suddenly, you know, there was a certain celebrity she had. Anyway, um, so I I felt that. I didn't have to, you know, not everybody knew who she was, so I couldn't, mm-hmm. but I was just, yeah, grateful that I captured something. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for that story. 
appreciate that. Yeah. Is there anything else about the creative process? Are there any like habits that you have just for creativity for yourself in general to get in touch with? Is there uh, journaling? Creative juices flowing. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that gets your creative juices flowing that you practice kind of pretty regularly? Um, I do meditate. Um, okay. Not as much as I'd like to. Yeah. You know, not as, as <laughs> but I do. And I find it's such a, I mean, it's one of those things, right? You never regret it. You never regret taking the time to do that. <laughs> Creative process wise, I, I go to a lot of different kinds of performance. I, mm-hmm. I, I really believe in experiencing it for myself. So I can be moved by other kinds of art, music. Mm-hmm. I go to a lot of music. I go from everything from classical music to rock and roll to whatever. I go to the theater. I go to the movies. I love to yeah. seek out a small movie that nobody's heard of or whatever. I read a lot of reviews so that I can find a movie that I will enrich my life and my imagination. So mm-hmm. I love being moved. I'm a great audience member. Do you know what I mean? Like I, yeah, yeah. I am there to have that experience. I don't come necessarily with my critic's mind front and center. Yeah. I want to have, I want to be moved. You and I feel that, that way about even watching television, you know, what yeah. television we are in kind of an old golden age of it. In some, in some instances, yeah. Yeah. um, Although I think the sitcoms of the 70s were also a golden age. I miss the old <laughs> multicams. I really right. do. Oh, yeah. They're very comforting. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a generational thing. I don't mm-hmm. know. When you go on these little excursions to watch uh, bands or or listen to music or go see and a I movie. And I include sports in that. In spor- okay, sports as I well. I include sports in that. Are you doing this with your friends or solo? What do you, what is your, what's. I do it mostly with someone else or friends, um, yeah. family, you know, but I, I do it solo too. Okay. Mm. I mean, because... I love going to the movies by myself in the middle of the day if I yeah. have the time. Well, um, I, I, I'm envious and I want to join you. <laughs> I, I want to join you. Town, and I wanna, yeah, when I'm in town, I want to go listen to something or go watch a movie with you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? That'd be fun. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Good All right. Well, um, thank you so much for your uh, time. We always love having you here, Martha. Thank you so much. And for all of our Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for your bonus material and a little bit more of Martha. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Martha. Right. Thank you. I love being here. Thanks for having me. Mm.